Hey there, everybody. This is Scott Grimes. I play Gordon Malloy on the Orville, and you are listening to the Planetary Union Network Orville Fan Podcast. Dig it! This is Joe Quickle. Michael couldn't join us today, so introducing a special co-host for this week's discussion of Sanctuary on Planetary Union Network, the official Orville Fam podcast. Me! (laughs) Hi, guys. I'm Megan. (laughs) That's my wife, Megan. And um, Is this where I get to um, hum the Orville theme song right now? (laughs) I came prepared. Okay. Let's have it. (laughs) Go ahead. Uh, no, I'm good. I, no, I, oh, uh, you can't. You can't deny. You can't deny. Okay. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> all right. You'd be so proud. I know. I know. All right, uh, Megan. Why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest? Okay. So joining us today is the number one director in our hearts, the number one director of the Orville, and forever my number one. Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> oh, Megan, you even worked on an intro. Oh, you have no idea. You have no clue how excited I am to say that right now. Wonderful. Okay. Glad to be here. Thank you so much. Glad for- to have you back. We'll go ahead and get into a couple of highlights from the uh, from the episode. And um, if we have time, we can uh, discuss a, a few more, but I uh, want to be cognizant of your of your time. Uh, so, uh, just wanted to, uh, we wanted to know, um, whose decision was it to use Dolly Parton's nine to five as a theme? That was pure set. <laughs> he obviously had created that in his, uh, magical mind. It was, and it was, he, he admitted that it was a, uh, it was either going to work or it wasn't going to work. But it, he, he was all in. It definitely worked. It definitely worked last wonderful. night. It, and it's just, it's the perfect kind of humor for that show because it, uh, everybody gets the song and then people crinch their eyes together a little bit. And, what, <laughs> what the fuck is that about? What are they doing? <laughs> and then it's like, that is so cool that that's what they're doing. And then they're humming the song and then the song becomes the theme of the fight and then the orchestra enhances the song. And I mean, and then the, when, when the, uh, the girl power takes over in the fight, the song pays off on more levels. Yeah, I think it worked better than he dared dream, but it was, it's a uh, it's a hit. I just heard a ding. I think that's Tom. All right, I'll join for a second. <laughs> oh come on, Tom! <laughs> I literally left the screening. I'm like, oh screw it, I'll call in for a minute. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. We appreciate it. <laughs> no, no, I'll have to go back and. Do you have a, you have a theme song there. to play for Tom when Tom comes on? Oh, <laughs> come on! It's the, sound, it's the sound of a. If there was a sound of a beach ball spinning on a mat, that would be the sound. <laughs> How oh. are you, Jonathan, and everybody? Hi. Hey. Everything's good. We just were uh, singing the praises of the uh, choice of nine to five, and how it grew into something even greater than the song itself on that show last night. 
Uh, yeah, it completely did. I mean, it was scripted from the beginning, correct? I can't even remember. Yes. I feel like it was in there from the it was, it was from the beginning, but it was clearly, as I just said, a, a, a bold choice that Seth and all of us hoped would work and kind of felt it would. But then when it inspired the score for the fight, it was it was brilliant. Definitely, uh, definitely created a thematic thing, and uh, you know that that fight really came together, and the whole thing came together. Um, I'm, I'm so glad you were on that episode. <laughs> you know, and it, well, and and it, it's like, we, it came together over a long stretch. Remember when we were yeah. we were piecing it together to see what pieces, like no pun intended, of the fight we needed to pick up, and yeah, that was cut to the score. That was cut to the song to the score. That's yeah. when we were still shooting it a long time ago. Uh, yeah, I know, but it's funny now because I think, you know, finally in the last couple of episodes, I think this idea that trying to shoot in this limited amount of time, uh, you know, next season, if there is one, there would be longer, more shooting, uh, days so that you can pick it up on the day you're shooting <laughs> as opposed to, yeah. you know, after. So, I digress. It was it was fantastic. I, I I was blown away last night, but I also love all of the musical cues you guys use in the show, from Billy Joel to Dolly Parton to everything. So I am completely blown away by by not only the the sci fi happiness that it brings everybody, but also the musical cues that come into the show. So it was it was amazing. So um, my other question hey, for I you, have a, I, have a, I have a question. Yeah. Yeah. Tom. <laughs> Yes. Do you think, yeah, what's the question? Or do you know <laughs> if the deal was made to use 9 to 5 before the script was delivered as a uh, shooting script? Uh, I don't actually know that. In the in the, in the the Talaya episode, it was going to be a completely different song, um, which also worked. It was the New York State of Mind. And then, you know, it was a gnawing feeling, mainly from Seth, of like, you know, he could upgrade it. So we rolled a bunch of different songs and it ended up being She's Always a Woman, which just worked perfectly. So, you know, there's always that process of change, too. It helps to be Seth McFarlane, too. <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but it does. that song made that show as well. Um, She's Always a Woman. I, I mean, that, that totally made the show for me. So... Um, my question to, to both of you right now is what made you want to revisit or expand on the Mockland female storyline from season one? You're well, that's the wrong that, guys. Yeah, that's the wrong guys. That was, uh, that was the, 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 the Monopoly and Seth. <laughs> yeah, basically. But, um, you know, it didn't seem as monumental. You know, it's like you're doing this stuff in a vacuum and, you know, the whole thing from deflectors. I mean, in fairness, we were like, Oh, look, another Mothman story. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and, and not in a, even the cut, just like, just like a little jokey way. But I think after deflectors came together and, you know, people formed their own opinions about like Clyde and all that stuff. I think it, uh, it culminated way in a bigger arc than one could imagine. And I think Seth probably knows that. So he's, he's three steps ahead. Of all of us, kind of thing. Well, it also, I mean, because the uh, the first Mocklin story touched the nerve with the hardcore trekkers because it felt to them like a Roddenberry esque way to address an important topic with an alien race. Right. 
and and that resonated completely through the through the Trek universe, and that's not lost on anybody who's watching closely. I I completely agree because I heard that from a lot of fans and even myself that it it felt like you said that Roddenberry feel that made it feel like a a true sci-fi show that I really think hooked fans in the first season and now that we have it in season two it just it brought it full circle yeah what was it like working with Marina Sirtis again as usual she's just impossible Next to my wife, she might be my favorite actress. Good answer. <laughs> that it was, and the uh, correct one. Exactly. <laughs> More importantly. Um, she's delightful, and she gets it. She's a pro. She was. She comes to play. She's painfully underused since having played Troy. So it was. Um, that's what you call a good guest to have her. For the obvious Trek reasons, but also as a as an artist, she 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 always brings it, and she did again. I hope she recurs, frankly. Well, I think that's an easy thing to fix. I'll just say, from an editor's standpoint, this is the first time I've ever cut dailies from her, and all of them worked. <laughs> yeah. Well, I found, which, which, I think I mentioned this to you, Tom, when I was when I was start actually whatever I did at Trek uh, the episodes or the movies, I would be in the editing room. And often I would say, let's see what Marina's doing. If I, if I needed to get through something and right. get around something. And she was always there. She was always, always, always on. And, and, uh, it's where we cut to her, you know, because she was, she was listening. She was reacting. She was present. She was interesting. And, and she's fabulous to look at. She has one of the best Greek faces. Brilliant. So it's, uh, I think we talked about that before. She was she was my go-to. You know, you have yeah. I feel I feel like we show. talked about it early on, but yeah, I, I think I, I somewhere I put that in the back of my brain. But yeah, it's 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 no joke. I mean, obviously, I'm a fan. Of, I'm a fan of the show. Which, you know, the 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 big the, the TNG, but like to actually just cut you know cut it from just a, a working perspective. I'm like, oh my god, I, I don't know which take to use. I got five of these things. Yeah. They're all interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but the, so. she's also good. Um, I think. Uh, I could be wrong, but I, I, I think that Scott Grimes kind of provides that when you're on the bridge. Yes. Yes, it is He's Scott. Right? No, Scott. When, actually, I'm very lucky on this show because when in doubt, I can, I basically can go to Scott, Adrian, or, or Peter Bordas. I, there's, oh. there's, I mean, everybody does a good job, but like they are guaranteed to have something. Um, Scott, Scott is, you know, Scott, I mean, they're, or coincidentally, they're all old pros and they just, they know. They know what it takes, so they're yeah, listening. They know that they're part of their coverage, you know, that reacting is as important as saying the line. That's the, you know, yeah. the simple adage, but some actors forget. Yeah. I imagine, uh, based on, based on the, the editorial patterns of what I've seen of the, of, of the original show, now that I look at it with an editing eye, I get the feeling you did the same thing. Cause they were cutting to you a lot, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I use Marina more than I use me. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, all so, right. Enough um, smoke. <laughs> well, well, from from a fan perspective, it was amazing to see her on the show that you were directing. So it was it was a fan favorite over here. Great. Uh, so I got to know where were the uh, Union Central uh, Council scenes shot at? 
stage 14? Or are you talking about the uh, Disney Hall thing? Oh, Disney Hall. Disney there you yeah, right? yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to place where that was actually, where that was at. Yeah. That was a very ambitious guest. And uh, we'll, we'll be there for a day. Wow. Yeah. Wow. There's a testament I like the, to... I like uh, that appetite, though. It's definitely an appetite. I mean, hopefully, you know, lessons are learned and trying to pull that off in a day, you know. We were well prepared, but it's still not so ambitious. And then you throw in, you know, you got Tony Todd and uh, uh, Victor Garber and F. Murray Abraham. You oh, yeah. Three, three people who you want to give attention and time to. Yeah, and it, uh, but, but it felt like it was a stage play when I was watching the dailies. You guys had to sort of like haul through it, you know? Yeah, well, that was, again, that's, that's, that's the prep was so good. That was, uh, breaks and breaks. That was, that was a good time. Yeah. Anything particularly challenging about this episode? The, the, the scene you're mentioning and, um, to try to find the time. The other thing that was mentioned earlier that, um, interview about finding enough time to get the amount of acting you need to make that uh, battle scene work. And because we have John Cassar's talent as a producing director on the show, he can uh, he knows from uh, directing, cinematography, camera operating, and editing how to get the pieces one needs to make a scene work. So that's a... Uh, and, and this this episode is a perfect example of how his uh, talent can be used in addition to the shows that he's uh, directing. Yeah, because we, we we did we did some split days where um we shot all day on the bridge or something like that. And then after work went to uh, Disney's backlot, I believe we were at. Yeah, I, I think so. Disney Ranch yeah. backlot or something. It, yeah. So the day became a double day, so there were two crews, and uh, we shuttled back and forth. It was, you know, TV. <laughs> yeah. Such an efficient business. Although I did hear, because of your, I did hear because you know what you're doing around the bridge, that those went faster than normal. <laughs> so there was a little time pick up there. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, I do like being those, on the bridge, i got to say. You, well, you do like being on the bridge? I love being on the bridge. On this show and on uh, Discovery, it's, it's like there's something very familiar. It's like putting on shoes that you've worn before. Right. Well, I was going to say it's like right. home. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you know, we, we got the beige wall, so it's really, it's really trips you out a little. <laughs> <laughs> so this was one of, one of the more ambitious episodes because of the, the council scene. And I noticed... Um, the um, costume designer and all the makeup artists were really excited last night posting all the different costumes that they made for this episode and all the different aliens they got to create. And so was it, was it, what was it like being, I guess, behind the scenes, seeing all the different costumes that then are normally there and all the, you know, all the different aliens that normally, you know, the, the, the Mocklins and the, the Krill and everything like that. Well, part of what was made the uh, shooting in Disney Hall, efficient was that the um, 
the combination of um, what's the gentleman's name who designed the uh, alien makeup it just went out of my head. Howard Berger. Oh, uh, uh, Howard Berger. Howard. Yeah, Berger came to me with a list of characters that he had already had or could easily put together pairs of because at the uh, at the, the council there had to be pairs. So I took that list and placed them in the position I thought they should be on what had been designed by um, Stephen as the set on at Disney Hall, and then blocked it off of that uh, off of that board. And then I got Seth's approval on these are the faces we're thinking of using, and he eliminated some and added some more. But it was the uh, it, I mean it's it's so true. Everything that you do in prep pays off if, if everybody helps you and, and you co- co- uh, coordinate and cooperate. So Berger bringing me, here's what, what I can give you to make this big, and Stephen saying, here's how many places we have, and getting Seth's attention when he's working on eight other things to say, okay, yes, yeah. yes, yes, and no, yes, 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 you know? So that, that all having, not trying to do that in addition to shooting two days or three days working one day, when you get to the hall, is very helpful, and you, and you go for it. And and he actually, Seth actually went in the room. I think he actually, you know, he was like, "Find more aliens, find more aliens." And so <laughs> we ended up actually maximizing that to some degree. Which I think, you know, as you do, why not? As you do. So for a minute there, I thought uh, we were going to end up with another stabby Mocklin divorce between Bordas and Clyden. <laughs> <laughs> Clayton doesn't like being on that ship. It's pretty clear to me. He's, this is not going well for him. <laughs> no. <laughs> can can him I and Topa be shipped off somewhere, please? <laughs> oh, poor Topa. He's just a victim of his parents. What are you going to do? I'm just waiting for Somebody's going to end up putting Clayton out an airlock. Yeah. Well, we have an airlock now to put him out of. So. <laughs> 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 it's the beauty of We just did that on the other Star Trek. Well, you blew somebody out the airlock? Yeah, we just killed um, the uh, augmented human, Arian, and threw her out the airlock. She'd gone, she'd gone rogue, and she had, you know, she had to go. Man, the airlock's the <laughs> best way to take them out. That's what it's there yeah, for. It's a, yeah, <laughs> it, is, it is. It is a. It is a trope. I mean, like I have to be honest with you. With the, the airlock and her identity was shot a certain way, and I was like, "Now we're going to do Callie out the airlock with BSG." So we did. <laughs> Which is really just Drax at the airlock from Moonraker, so a sense of theme. <laughs> <laughs> There's a familiarity um, that people come to find with these things. Yeah, yeah. Not it's it's not it's just it's like it's like comfort in some way. It's like it's you're you're supposed yeah. it's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> it's like you a know. duel. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, uh, well, I have to actually. I literally left. The screening. I have to go back in. I don't want to bogart. I don't want to bogart all your your interview. Um, thank you, know, you, Tom. Obviously. Thank you, Tom. I love. I love. I love y'all. I love all three of you. So thank you, Mr. Frakes, and thank you, Joe, and everybody, and the whole. Who else? Michael there too? No, he didn't. Mrs. He didn't make it. Oh, just you, Megan. Just me. Oh, I tried. I, I, I tried to take on Megan. on big shoes hey, not today. Just Megan, Tom. Not just what? Megan. She sang. She sang the theme song. You sang the theme song. I missed the theme That's song. That's what I'm saying. You missed it, Tom. 
Oh my God. This is what I get for calling late. <laughs> oh, I love you, Megan. That's amazing. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll make it happen it. again. <laughs> all right. Beautiful. All right. Well, I'll let you guys do, do all the stuff and, um, no, and I'm sure we'll all be talking soon in various forms of media. All right. Yeah, all right. Bye bye. See you later. Bye. Okay. Okay. So my my other, I mean, other than the, the we were all wanting potentially a stabby divorce between Clyden, um, <laughs> but how is it directing and Bordis? Yes, but how is it directing a child to be a little asshole? I mean, like I, I, I like I literally said that to the TV last night. But how is it directing a child to just be the crappiest person you can ever see on TV? Well, because. That gentleman is not really an asshole. It, it was hard. You know, you've got to... How do you bring it out of them? <laughs> yeah. You have to encourage him to misbehave. You have to encourage him to violate the other person's face. You have to encourage him to overlap and cut her off. In the classroom, it was hard to get him to be as rude as the script needed him to be. I mean, it wasn't hard, but it took... No. It took uh, it, encouraging him to behave in a way that was not natural to him. Well, that that makes me feel better, <laughs> but but he he did he did pull it off very well because I think all of us were were yelling at him that we were quite yeah. annoyed at him. So, <laughs> well, it was also given you know the the uh, the sexist dialogue. I mean, the all the pieces were there to make the character completely despicable, mm-hmm. so that there could be some payoff at the end. I mean, it, it was it was you needed to. Be yelling at him on the TV for the end of the scene, end of the show to work. We 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 got that accomplished for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, was, it was nice to see uh, Rena Owen back as uh, Havina. She's wonderful, isn't she? Yes. Yeah, she has a, a very um, compelling sort of inner rhythm that in her uh, her acting uh, engine runs as and her vocal. Her vocal thing is very compelling. So I, I was, uh, I hadn't worked with her before and I was very taken with it. Yeah, there were some great quotes, um, you know, kind of the wisdom of Havina <laughs> that she had, like, you know, every yeah. revolution begins with a single act of defiance and some near the, uh, the end of the episode as well. And then, um, and, and then riffing into, uh, nine to five at the council seating. You think Dolly would approve? Do you think Dolly would approve at the end? And we all were screaming at the TV, Dolly, Dolly approves. Of course she does. And the sparkle in Seth's eye when he said that. So it was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very satisfying episode. Totally agreed. Well, it it, it definitely ended better than season one's About a Girl, because that, that episode potentially ended our marriage oh, for two man. days. That was a <laughs> yeah, that episode ended on a bummer note, man. So at least we got redemption this year. I'm looking forward to the finale. Oh. <laughs> cannot wait. Any uh, any scenes that you had that I mean we've kinda hit the cha- what was a challenge, uh um, but any of them that were just kind of a delight? pretty happy doing what i do and it was it was nice to be i had i had uh i used to be on a soap called the doctors that ted danson was on so it was fun to visit that history and it was obviously great to have the 
nemesis from nemesis, Mr. F. Murray Abraham on the set. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I've been a big Victor Garber fan for many, many years. And Tony Todd was a Klingon on our show. So there was, there was a lot of reminiscing and a lot of, uh, and Seth is so open to casting these crossover people that I, I think the audience, I mean, I appreciate it obviously because these are people that I've had the privilege of working on. Marina's the best example of that episode, but when he brought Charlize on last year because he had had the relationship with her from the movie and these things that people are doing as favors for him just just open the show up in a way for the audience that other exotic television shows do not right. or cannot because, because of that. Well, it, it, to me, it shows what a, a true person that Seth is, that he can bring in those caliber of people and they're doing it as a, as a friend to him or as a favor to him or, you know, want to work with him. So that just tells me even more what, what a great guy he is to work with. Here, here. <laughs> Was there any scenes that didn't make um, the, the editing cut from Tom? Was there any scenes that, that you guys enjoyed shooting that, that just didn't make the make the show this time? I do not remember. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> it's been a while. No, no. I remember in the first, uh, when I went through the assembly from the editor, there was a, there was a missing scene. Actually, one of Marina's scenes was missing from the, from the assembly. And I, I thought, did you guys completely cut that third scene with, with, uh, teacher and, and, uh, Fortis and Clyden? And they went, it was kind of an oh shit moment. <laughs> <laughs> So while while we've got you, I and this is we're venturing into non Orville territory, but um, excited to see that you're attached to the Picard project. I am so ready to go over there and find out <laughs> how that works. And Patrick, I got to say, is if I may, so engaged. He's 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 really jazzed about it. I, I I am speechless, which is unusual for me that you just said that. So I am I am like having a like slight moment over here that one one that I'm actually talking to you about it or or two that you're talking about your friend Patrick, which is just, you know, my <laughs> I, I'm speechless right now. So <laughs> Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. That'll be a, another adventure. Beginning of another adventure. Yeah, that's two. We're we're ready for it to come out and whenever that is. Cool. So uh yeah, it was it was great to have you back. The pleasure is mine. I'll see you on the next one. All right. We look forward to it. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. Have a wonderful weekend. You too. Thank you. Bye bye. You okay? No. <laughs> As I shake my head no. I'm As clearly not head, okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-mm. I'm good though. That was amazing. Yeah. But I, I other than other than it being directed by Jonathan Frakes, which is amazing, and other than Tom being the amazing editor he is, this show truly as a lot of us I think were very one engaged by this show last season by About a Girl the episode and we were either very disappointed or very happy that it was very Roddenberry esque. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This helped I think a lot of us that were like, what the hell happened in that episode <laughs> to, to feel like we had some. Yeah. I just, about a girl did end it. It ended on a bummer note. It, it ended on a, this is where we're at in society note. Yeah. Um, and made us look at what we're dealing with now. 
of course, as as all great um, sci-fi shows should and do, um, bring it back to today's times. Mm-hmm. But I think that this one, in bringing Rena back and allowing women to have the voice that they should, um, 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 <laughs> really, really brought You're this here. show. Uh, no, that's not what this is about. <laughs> but really having the show bringing it not only 21st century, but 25th century. So Ah, nice. We should do this more often. Oh. Um, okay. Uh, any other thing from the episode that you want to run down? Um, other than the music was great, as always, but that's a tribute to Seth bringing in Today's musical cues is just phenomenal because I think it's it's a sci-fi show that all of us love. Um, our our shows. Yeah, we don't mind the pop culture references. No, nope, we love the pop pop culture references, and the more the better. And if we can have some more Billy Joel, I am all on board for that. <laughs> Me too. But if if we can, um, I don't know if we need to to have a stabby divorce or. What needs to happen, but something needs to happen. <laughs> With Clyden? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not Sorry. a fan. You're not well, a fan. I am a fan. We, 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 <laughs> no. So no. let's just say we love you, Chad. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, let me, let me. But Clyden's a dick. <laughs> let me, let me preface this by saying, Chad Coleman, I love you. Um, love your Instagram posts. Um, think they're fantastic. But um, no, I, I really don't like this character at all. No. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> mm Okay, so, um, well, I guess, I guess that's it. Did we do good? I think we did good. Okay. We'll be back next week. Uh, Michael and I will be, I know. Megan, maybe. Maybe. We'll see. If I'm allowed. <laughs> if I'm allowed. Oh, you're killing me. Um, so we'll be back next week to talk about tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Which, and tomorrow? No, just, just three tomorrows. Um, which did I... I, I hope for your sake isn't a Groundhog Day kind of episode. Oh, please make it not. <laughs> she doesn't like Groundhog Day. Love okay. Bill Murray, no, no, doesn't like Groundhog Day. Before the fans start attacking me that I I don't like. <laughs> no, no. Let's let's clear this up. Um, love Bill Murray. Don't like shows that are repetitive over and over and okay, over and over again. That's true. That's true. What was the um, Vantage Point? Was that that movie that you really disliked? Because of it was just telling the same thing over and over. I mean, I... from different... I think it was Vantage Point. There's a there's a few that keep just That's been a long time. do it over and over. So, uh, but what is tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow about? Well, the synopsis. Thank you for leading into that. Uh, a time distortion affects Ed and Kelly's relationship. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I wonder if we're going to go back to uh, if they're going to the beginning. Yeah, maybe this time. Uh, this time it's Ed and Derulio instead of Kelly and Derulio. Mm. Do we get another blue alien? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe. I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> so don't take that as, no, I, as gospel from us here. No, but um, <laughs> well, let's say there's only two episodes left in the season. There are only two episodes left in the season. And uh, yeah, we play out for the next two weeks. So no more breaks. And um, then we'll have to figure out something to bring you guys over the off season. So... All right. The if, hilarity of us. The hilarity of us. More guests as usual. Yeah. Yeah. We can have Patrick on again. Yeah, we could. <laughs> we can have everybody's favorite ogre. 
so, yeah, <laughs> uh, this is fun. Um, if you're not already, follow us on Twitter at planetary underscore union. On Facebook, we're at Planetary Union Network. Instagram, also Planetary Union Network. Hit up our website where you can listen to the podcasts, uh, which is be weird if you're listening to this somewhere and then I just tell you to go listen on the website. But you can listen to all of them there as well at planetaryunion.net. We also have some exclusives um, there, like the Krill font that is only available on our website. And and the Scott Grimes song. Yeah, it is the Scott Grimes duet with uh, with Leighton Meester. Yeah, is on there and on our YouTube. But uh, okay, we have a YouTube. Yeah, yeah, we do. We do have a YouTube. That's where things that are too long to fit on Twitter go. And Instagram. And Instagram. Yeah. Uh, okay, so thanks for joining us, Megan, for our female perspective on the show. Oh, you know, I always have that. <laughs> Without a doubt. But also, thanks to Seth for having a female perspective of the show. Because I, I do feel sometimes sci-fi shows are, or were, let me say were, potentially directed towards only one. And now I feel that this show is very... Inclusive? Inclusive. That's a good word. Good yeah, it is. You. Yes, inclusive. And I love it. Also, thanks again to uh, Jonathan Frakes for joining us as our guest and for... And Tom, and thank Tom. you. <laughs> thanks for calling in, Tom. <laughs> Always save us. Anytime. <laughs> That's it. Peace out. Peace out. Make it so number one. <laughs> Thank you.